0: Right before we started recording to get ourselves hyped up, we did a little improv game that we used to play back in the old high school. And I wanted to talk to you about my improv class, okay? A little bit more. Um, I th- I'm pretty sure I already mentioned a lot that happened in, in the class, but we played a game recently, mm-hmm. and it was um, a warm-up game. Got to get hyped up for the improvness. Yeah, we got way too hyped for this episode. Yeah, we did, and. Um, Uh, I don't know, you kept making weird voices and faces and I got a little scared. And this game we were playing was that everyone in the class got their chairs and we all put them in a big circle, like a really big circle. And the teacher was playing along with us, so it was one person outside the circle Mm -hmm. at all times, and everyone got a number. And you go up to someone. And so, yeah, someone asks them, like, oh, how do you like your neighbors? And you're like, oh, I like them just fine. And everyone scrambles to find a new one. And then there's one person left in the circle. And they can ask someone else, um, like, oh, how do you like your neighbors? And you're like, you know what, I don't. And it's like, oh, who would you prefer? And they say say, uh, two random numbers. And those two people get up out of their chairs. And they can take as long as they want to get to those chairs because they're reserved for them. Mm -hmm. The ones next to the person they talk to. And the people who are sitting in those chairs have to get up. Mm -hmm and scramble to the other chairs, along with the person in the middle.
1: Ah, uh, so it's like... It's, it's like, like
0: a weird version of musical, musical chairs, chairs with yeah. no with, music.
1: And monkey in the middle.
0: <laughs> yes! Mm-hmm. And then there's the third option, and this was honestly my favorite. When the person's back is to you, mm-hmm. you can switch really quickly mm-hmm. with somebody else. And if they happen to see you doing that, they can try and steal your, the chair you're trying to get. Mm-hmm. But it's really funny to see people like... <laughs> Mentally co- connect to someone else from across the yeah. circle. They're just like they stare at you, and it's like a little eye twitch, and <laughs> then they bolt.
1: Uh, oh, it's also like that. A uh, like wax museum game. Have you ever played that? Where it's like there's wax one. Museum. Yeah, there's like one person who's like the curator of the wax museum, and like you can't move while they're looking at you. But if they aren't looking at you, you try to like move to a new position. And like try to.
0: Is this an improv game? Yeah. Or it's like a normal game.
1: I like an improv theater game. I don't know exactly, but yeah.
0: It's I've like never a, heard of that. It's but like a different a improv of warm.
1: Yeah, you just like you can't move if they're looking at you. But it's it... kind
0: of like red light. Red uh, yeah, light. yeah. Well, while we were playing, there were some injuries or <laughs> close to injuries. People kept running for chairs, mm-hmm. and we're all a bunch of high-strung theater kids <laughs> and competitive as well. And uh, so people would like jump on chairs and like climb on them. I was very fortunate as to not be in the middle, mm-hmm. so I always had a chair. But <laughs> there's this one time where I was landing in the chair and I was, like, backing up into it. So, and I pushed myself down a little too hard. And these are, like, normal, like, blue, hard, like, school chairs. Mm-hmm. And I sat down really hard. And there was, like, at least, it felt like five minutes, but mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it was less than three seconds, of me, like, up on the hind legs of my chair <laughs> and, like, my, my hand, like, grasping in the air trying to get... My balance back and as i was doing this i made eye contact with an older person in my class who i didn't know very well they're just staring at mm-hmm. him and we're both like oh no oh no until i like sit myself back down and i no one else saw this happen it was just me and him in this like eye contact and he was like oh no like trying to reach out for me from across the circle and me just trying my hardest to get back on just all four <laughs> yes like on the chair no one else saw this i we busted out laughing and the person next to me my friend she was like what just happened i was like oh he had to be there. <laughs> so i'm i was i think i was tired like a few minutes ago but um i'm energized now yeah. because because the improv game we were playing
1: well uh <laughs> you know who else has a lot of energy
0: who Andrew? you tell me someone
1: who? i'm going to tell you about later okay uh, i was just looking for a transition we're starting the episode hey! what do you know about world war one
0: um, not as much as I know about World War Two.
1: All right, so uh, World War I is very different from World War II. Because yeah. uh, in World War II, it was kind of like all the, like, relatively good people against the bad guys, the Nazis. World War I didn't really have that, like, mm-hmm. no real good guys or bad guys, so that's just what I want to preface this with, is all that right. when I'm telling you this story, it's not like you should be thinking of any of these people as, like, the good side or the bad side, because there really wasn't any, like all the different sides tried to like use propaganda and stuff to make themselves seem like the good guys but there really wasn't like they were just kind of fighting over political power and territory and as people do (laughs) yeah but it was the first time that they had that there were these disputes over political power and territory with like weapons that were capable of killing millions of people yeah it all basically started based on like a chain reaction of alliances Mm -hmm. so there's like Austria yeah. was like fighting some people in Serbia and then they're like hey some I think Russia or something come help us out and then they're like then Germany's like wait you can't do that and then like France is like oh I'm gonna fight you
0: you can't tell me what to do
1: yeah so they all got involved in like it's they just like in this wouldn't have been a problem if they hadn't been fighting with like machine guns and mm-hmm. artillery and stuff but um well I mean just, people would have still died but like there, there's all sorts of battle tactics that just that used to work but just don't anymore but the commanders and stuff they didn't know that so like they didn't know that you couldn't just like charge at the enemy um because it's just a completely different kind of warfare right
0: mm-hmm. yeah
1: um so to give you some background
0: wasn't it like the start of the chemical war
1: yeah chemical warfare too that was so that was actually that's an interesting point is that um because all their like new their old techniques didn't work anymore mm-hmm. they couldn't make they couldn't have like a bayonet charge or anything yeah um so with trench warfare, they had to invent new ways of killing people. Mm-hmm. And that's where they started inventing chemical weapons like mustard gas. Because mm-hmm. that you could use in... Uh, at
0: a distance. Yeah,
1: at a distance and kill a lot of people. And I'm going to be talking about this. And it's it's going to seem like kind of a light subject. Because it's a pretty funny story I have from okay. World War One, But it is help good to keep in mind that this is not really a like funny thing. Because...
0: This is going to be a very interesting episode. Yeah.
1: So, um, like, in in these battles, there almost never was a clear winner or loser. Just, like, lots of people dead. Um, And I'm going to be telling you about one of the biggest ones, the Battle of Verdun. Okay.
0: Um, Where was that?
1: In Verdun, France. It's, like, near the border with Germany. Uh Um, It had um, between 700,000 and a million casualties total um, just in this one battle. But... Saying, calling it a battle is almost like, <laughs> that's an understatement because this battle took place over the course of many, many months. Let me see. Mm. Um, it was from the 21st of February, 1916 to the 18th of December, 1916. So almost in a full year yeah. of just this, enti- this one battle. Another battle that also happened during this year was the first battle of the Somme, which was, I believe, the largest battle in terms of casualties Mm -hmm. that had a like 1.1 million casualties um they were both in 1916 and this was sort of the time when these countries began reconsidering their war strategies because Mm -hmm. these generals who were in charge their main strategy was uh, what was sort of given the nickname of the meat grinder strategy where it was Mm -hmm. just like keep throwing more and more troops at it and eventually one side's gonna break the problem is really neither side ever broke and they just the, the lines of battle just stayed completely stagnant and never moved.
0: And they just had a bunch of grinded up meat. Yeah. By grinded up meat, I mean like a lot of dead bodies. Essentially <laughs> the same thing.
1: Um, and you would have these like the battlegrounds and these things because they're using heavy artillery. Mm-hmm. It would just turn into what they would call moonscapes, which is like it literally looks like the surface of the moon. Just oh. completely blown up everywhere. Craters. Yeah, craters.
0: Interesting.
1: So the commander in chief of the French army was Joseph Joffer. Jaffra? Jaffra. Is that J- what
0: we were looking
1: up? No. Um, I'll get to that in a second. I'm talking about a specific fort in this battle. Okay. Uh, Joseph Jaffra, he was very popular at the start of the war mm-hmm. um, from like his uh, past military experience, and he was known as Papa Jaffra.
0: <laughs> Papa Jones. <Yeah. laughs> he uh-huh. always made pizzas on Friday.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so he was real popular. After this, he was not, and he got replaced. Mm, okay. Um, the British general named French uh it's confusing his name was french but he's a british general
0: his parents must have hated him
1: (laughs) um yeah that that's uh he was another one of the guys who didn't really understand anything and got replaced after this battle
0: Mm, uh
1: the german uh, general eric von falkenhayn which is a fantastic name
0: i have to um, say it again for me
1: eric von falkenhayn
0: Okay, see it. Spell. It. Can you spell it for me? Oh
1: God, this again. Uh,
0: I just want to see. I want to appreciate the letters. We don't have a pad of paper over uh, here. Here's one. Is it Eric with a C?
1: With a C H.
0: C H. Ooh, fancy. Uh,
1: he was also replaced after this battle, so you can see that really this was a failure for absolutely everyone involved. Oh. With that background in mind, um, the key to France's defenses, because this was Germany attacking France initially. Uh huh. There was basically a bunch of forts. There was 19 forts protecting Verdun, the city of Verdun. Mm-hmm. General Joffre, the French general, he sort of changed his strategy like right at the start of this battle because earlier at the start, very start of the war, Germany invaded Belgium, and yeah. Belgium had their had forts. And Germany just easily took down their forts with artillery. So because of that, Joffre decided that they would really decrease the amount of staff and stuff in these forts because they just thought they wouldn't work as well. Uh-huh. That was a bad idea oh. because the French forts were way like way more fortified and way better than the Belgian forts. So it wasn't really a fair comparison. So the decision to decrease the garrison on them just made them really weak, whereas mm. they would have had this very strong position. So as a result, in this in Fort Du Fort, Du I think might be how it's pronounced this is what i wanted to look
0: dumont. at
1: dumont dumont i'm gonna i've got a Just
0: like from shrek
1: i've got dumont. a youtube video here with, that's gonna tell me how to pronounce it you ready oh
0: okay do, do it again that's how like a mumble Du-mu. 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 Du-mu.
1: i don't know if that's right but we're gonna go with it so how for do it
0: spelled <laughs> did you see what i did on the paper
1: you put hearts around Eric von Falkenhayn.
0: I did. He is my favorite.
1: Uh, he was a pretty bad general. He got. You
0: a... said to not have any like good or bad.
1: <laughs> I mean, he wasn't like a bad person. He was just a bad general.
0: Okay. Um, Fort like
1: Duhamont. Duam- uh, I'm gonna call it Duhamont because that's how it's spelled on the page, and that's how I pronounce it in English, which is what I am. So,
0: oh, wait, the, the town in Shrek is Duloc, not Dou. <laughs>
1: <laughs> D-O-U-A-U-M-O-N-T, Dumont. Dumont. Uh, anyway, um,
0: Dumont, there's too yeah. many
1: vowels for me. Um, so Fort Dumont was the largest of the 19 forts protecting Verdun. Mm-hmm. Um, but because General F- F- Joffre has decided to decrease the garrisons on all the forts. It's only, um, there's something like only 50 people in it, um, Mm. which is a mostly middle-aged reserve forces, so like not their mainline fighters at all. Okay. Um, And like one artillery squad manning the guns. So this, this fort is like super heavily fortified and it's got tons of guns and stuff, but because there's so few people in it, they can't keep it all up and they can't really defend it. Uh, it has a total surface area of thirty thousand square meters, and it's approximately four hundred meters long. Hmm. Um, it has two levels reinforced by twelve-meter-thick steel, so it's that's part of why it was so res- it was would actually be resistant quite resistant to artillery. Hmm. Uh, it has two main tunnels, with barracks and various rooms branching off. It has a lot of huge guns, and it has a dry moat surrounding it, which okay. is. Um, And there's like cannons pointed at it. So if anyone tries to cross it, they can just fire down on them Mm -hmm. and and with machine guns too. I'm dying. Do you
0: want (coughs) water? Pause for water.
1: So the fort's way understaffed and uh, basically doesn't have anyone defending it except for like one well-trained artillery squad, but there's Mm -hmm. just one of them. Um, So on February 21st, The Germans start the Verdun Offensive, like the whole thing. That's when it all starts. Okay. On February 24th, um, the German 24th Brandenburg Regiment approached from the north as a reconnaissance and raiding party. So it's a pretty small group. they aren't really sent to take over anything or take any ground. They're just sent out to scout out the area and see what the forts are like. So um, most of the ga- French garrison who's in the fort, they've already retreated to the lower parts of the fort at this point because there's been three days of German artillery shelling. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's basically just constant. They call it drum fire because it's just like a yeah. drum roll. So facing that, like these old reservists, they've all sort of retreated down to the lower parts of the, of the fort. Um, there's only one gun on the fort that was actually actively manned. But it was firing at long-range targets, so it wasn't looking for this party that was sort of approaching right mm-hmm. near it. Um, ten members of the party of the Brandenb- Brandenburg regiment approach, and they're not attacked because the uh, it's out, it's also really raining; it's bad weather, um, so that makes it so that it's even harder to see them. And the French, who see them coming, because some of them do notice, they think they're just a French scout group returning. Oh. Um, so these ten uh, members of the Brandenburg regiment approach. And they are led by Pioneer Sergeant Coons. This is a relatively low-ranking uh, sergeant. And he he gets there, and he's leading this group. And he finds that their dr- dry motes are completely undefended. All of his troops are sort of, like, wary about it. They're like, we don't want to go in there because they're just going to, like, shoot at us and kill us. They think it's kind of a trap. But Coons is like, well, I'm going to go in and check it out. So he sneaks in <laughs> and manages to open an access door from the inside.
0: Uh, from the outside? Inside?
1: Well, don't I don't know exactly how he sneaks in that wasn't detailed, but then he opens an access door so that everyone else can get in easily. Okay. But his troops are still afraid of an ambush, so they don't even go in. So Coons is in the in the fort alone, and he's like, all right, well, I'm just going to go, and he has only a bolt-action rifle. And so he just goes in the fort and starts exploring, <laughs> and he eventually finds the artillery team, Yeah. and he finds them all in a room, like, playing cards or something, and he just he's like he'd like jumps in he's like all right nobody move and he just locks them in the room <sighs> so he has completely locked the like the m- most competent defense force on this on this whole whole fort he mm-hmm. just locks them in a room um and at this point so he basically goes in takes out the, the bulk of the people in the fort and by this point another part of his group a number group of his regiment or not, not his like ten people. Like a different part of the whole regiment mm-hmm. um, has arrived, and they're led by Reserve Officer Lieutenant Radke. And I'm by love this point, his names—they're German. I <laughs> um, So he's entered, and he meets up with uh, Kunz in the in the fort, and then they just work out. They work together, or they just spread out. They and, just work out. <laughs> they just take time to work out. You know, uh, <laughs> they work together to spread out and detain everyone else in the fort,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and not a single shot was fired in taking over the entire fort. And the only casualty was one of Kunz's men who scraped his knee. And died? No, a casualty is just an injury.
0: Oh. Or death. Uh, what did he scrape it on?
1: Uh, it wasn't specified, but he probably just tripped like entering it, entering through that access door or something. Wow. So, okay. any thoughts so far.
0: <laughs> what is this about?
1: It's about how this one guy took over an entire fort.
0: How many people were in that fort?
1: Like, six.
0: 60 60 yeah and <laughs> for some reason i imagine this guy as like napoleon bonaparte <laughs> uh really short kind of goofy looking hat and a monocle mm-hmm. he's also like a mix of the monopoly guy as well <laughs> he has some like monopoly money coming out of his uh shirt yeah and he just is like I don't know. I just imagine him like totally bright eyed and bushy like, oh, I'm going to help the war. <laughs> and he's like, he's leaving these guys who are like, so we got stuck with him. Yeah. So it's yeah, like, let's go over here. And they're like, no, we're gonna die. He's like, well, I'm gonna go alone then. <laughs> yeah, That's
1: basically what happened. He just went in alone with just a bolt action rifle. So it's not like he even has a machine gun or anything. <laughs> Where
0: did you hear this from?
1: Uh, I think it was mentioned on the Hardcore History Podcast, and then I looked up more about it on Wikipedia.
0: (laughs) Nice. Um, Wow.
1: So yeah, he just goes in on his own, locks up the artillery team. I think he locks up a few other people. And, and, well, the artillery team's only, like, ten people or something. Oh, okay. He locks them up. He just goes around locking up more people in different rooms, and then meets up with this other guy, and they just spread out, and, like, this very small group takes over the whole fort, and it's basically led by him because he broke in in the first (laughs) place. And so they took over the whole fort, the most heavily defended, the biggest of the French forts, basically taken over by one guy. Um, And this completely, like, turned the tide of the whole battle. um, Because this gave the Germans, like, a really far advanced post on French soil. So it was, like, a super useful strategic element for the Germans. Mm. And it probably cost the French, uh, I think the, someone high up in the French command estimated that it cost them, like, 150,000 lives, just this one guy Mm -hmm. (laughs) breaking into the fort.
0: What was his name again? Kunz?
1: Kunz. Coons. uh pioneer sergeant kunz Coons. Coons. however
0: mm.
1: in spite of his uh bravery and like he took over this whole thing the guy who was in charge of the whole regiment um i don't even know what his ranking was but his name was von Brandis. he took credit for the whole takeover
0: what a jerk um, yeah
1: because he was the one who sent the official like letter to to the crown prince of germany oh so yeah, he just he sends the letter to the crown prince. He's like, I took over the fort on my own. <laughs> Nobody helped me.
0: It's like when you're in a group presentation. Yeah, and you do everything, but someone else takes credit for it.
1: <laughs> That's yeah. Um, so they didn't get uh, neither Kunz or Radke, the two who mm. basically orchestrated the whole takeover. They didn't get any credit until years later in the 1930s. Mm. And when they did get credit, like when they finally figured out what happened. You know what they gave them, uh, in in like to compensate for not having the recognition of all these years? What
0: did they what did they get?
1: Well, did you have any guesses? I'll tell you, Coons uh, was a police officer at the time.
0: He was a police officer? Yeah.
1: Um oh. I don't know what Radke was doing, but
0: Kuhn... Oh like after the war?
1: Yeah, after the war. So
0: hmm. yeah,
1: Coons at this time was a police officer and he, he got, you know, a decent uh he got a decent thing out of the deal. He was promoted to a lieutenant police officer, which is okay. a very high rank. Radke, though. Just give me a guess. What do you think he got?
0: He got a parade.
1: Uh, he got um, half
0: of, he got like $12.42 gift card at like the local Wiener Stichel.
1: Uh Think a little like less than that. Really? <laughs> well, I don't know. It depends on your definition. But uh, he got an autographed portrait of the crown prince who was no longer ruling the deposed crown prince. He got an autographed portrait of him.
0: You know how mad I would be if I was him. Ugh. This poor dude. He's like, <laughs> perfect example of what this makes me think of is um, parents picking favorites, and it's like, <laughs> oh, for our, for for this daughter, we're going to give you the car you've always wanted, and for this one, uh, you got a package of socks, and they're not even new. <laughs>
1: I mean, to be fair, Coons was the one who broke in and did all the taking over but and stuff. But an
0: autographed picture.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: one second. Can you remind me um the time period of World War 1? 1914 to
1: 1920. Okay. This was in 1916. And this was the battle that sort of like turned the turned the generals away from mm. like their meat grinder strategy, although it still really continued because there wasn't much alternative. Um and this basically this battle basically got all of the generals fired. <laughs> um like literally almost every general except of the Russians, because the Russians were really late to the whole thing. Um
0: oh, it's so funny. Yeah. I, I I'm sorry, but I can't get over An autographed
1: An autographed picture of the crap the deposed crown prince. It's like
0: I'm just shaking my it's head. It's like right instead now. of
1: getting like a medal of honor, you got just like an autographed picture of the president, basically.
0: Now if it was Obama and I got a like a fine portrait or <laughs> I, I, I would be okay with that. That's
1: fair. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah, that that was the takeover of Fort Dumont. Um Say it again. Fort Dumont. One more time. Dumont. Dumont. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> Omelette <to> the, sun.
1: <laughs> the recapture of it by uh-huh. the French, which happened toward the end of the battle. Well not really the end. More in May, so start in February, ended mm-hmm. in December, so was kind of in the middle. It's also kinda of funny but a lot more sad. Um, oh, basically out the tissues. Yeah, basically Dumont became a center of operations for Germans, right? So there ended up being a lot of soldiers in there. And on May 8th, 1916, some soldiers tried to heat coffee, like they wanted to heat some coffee up okay. over a cooking fire. Uh, but it wasn't like going fast enough for them or something. So they decided to use fuel from flamethrowers mm. to uh, <laughs> to heat their coffee. Mm. Not a good idea. <laughs>
0: nothing better uh, than a fuel
1: yeah. fired for heated
0: up coffee yeah so uh, when that
1: happened uh, a fire tore through the whole fort and um, it killed like hundreds of them instantly oh my god and then and i think it's, it says around 18,000 or 1800 soldiers were injured in total but some of them were so completely covered in soot mm. as they were fleeing the burning um, the burning fort some other Germans who were approaching thought that the French had attacked and taken over, uh-huh. and they they saw the Germans and their faces were like completely blackened by the soot, uh-huh. and they thought they were French co- like colonial soldiers from Africa, uh-huh. so oh, they they assumed they no. were French colonial soldiers, and then they fought, opened fire on the people oh, who were fleeing no. the, who were fleeing the burning fort.
0: It just got keeps getting worse. Guy wants some coffee. Everyone's getting burned. People are injured and covered in soot. People started firing. It's just like the worst day yeah
1: and after that the french were able to recapture the fort pretty easily because it basically got yeah. destroyed by this cooking fire
0: Who, uh, th- what jerk did this
1: it's um
0: imagine having to report that to somebody
1: yeah that's true what ha-
0: how did this all start uh
1: well some soldiers
0: brandon were... <laughs> wanted to reheat his coffee dang it brandon
1: <laughs> like really why, why use flamethrower fuel you good think they would know
0: i feel like honestly that would be kind of like me in that situation because i get really impatient easily as well
1: <laughs> is like they weren't actually like shooting the flamethrower at it it wasn't that bad but just they took the fuel from the flamethrower
0: yeah but i would be that
1: impatient
0: <laughs> i would do something like that
1: um so yeah the french then like in the end of may they took over the fort but then they got driven out again And then the French completely, like, shelled the fort with artillery again. And they finally succeeded in taking over the fort in October. So that's the story of Fort Dumont. Do you have any questions?
0: Slay a lot of information on me, Andrew. (laughs) A lot of information.
1: (laughs) The The main takeaway is this fort, which is supposed to be, like, the most heavily defended and the biggest and the best, was taken over by effectively one guy and then held until some soldiers started a cooking fire and burned the whole place down.
0: So they had that they the uh, you said the Germans had that fort for about six uh, I guess months?
1: Three months. Three months. Two, three, three. Mm-hmm. February, yeah. March, April, May, four months.
0: Okay. <laughs> That's not too bad. And it's like you said it was Well, I mean near they the actually border. they
1: technically had it until October. Um that mm-hmm. was when the French finally took it over, but it kind of like after the after the whole cooking fire thing it got taken out a little bit lower. Mm. it became less important yeah.
0: i've been getting addicted back to coffee again so i get it
1: <laughs> um but yeah there's all sorts of like stories like this from world war one there's all sorts of crazy things that happened and there's just so many battles and so many like just weird things happened like this so
0: why couldn't he just like plop some ice cubes in his coffee
1: and make iced coffee instead iced coffee I'd, I'd imagine they didn't have a Ice cubes available on the western front.
0: Then I have a better question. Why not? <laughs> I have no other questions.
1: All right. Uh, well, we actually have a recording from the uh, from, from Fort Dumont.
0: Is it when they're burning?
1: I don't know. We'll find out. Oh, God. All right, men. I am going to go into the fort. And, and I will uh, come back and tell you if I see anything. All right, man. Hello, is anybody in here?
0: All right, man, we're going to be playing Aces high, diamonds low.
1: What, what, what's that? Uh, is that
0: Jimmy, we know you're cheating again.
1: Look, hold it right there.
0: Whoa, whoa.
1: You are under arrest by the order of the Crown Prince, who I'm sure will uh, give a very good reward to anybody who helps me uh, take over this fort. How did
0: you get in here?
1: Uh, This is for me to know and for you to find out.
0: Okay, okay, buddy. Laundry, just calm down here.
1: Okay. Does, Does anybody have the key to this room?
0: Uh, it's on the door over there. Okay, uh... Do you want to play cards with us?
1: Yeah, uh, perhaps I can sit down for a hand after... After?
0: After And and only
1: after I have finished taking over the fort. Who...
0: Who who are you? I am
1: Sergeant... Pioneer Sergeant Koons of the German Branden... 24th Brandenburg Regiment.
0: Aren't you adorable?
1: Your fort is under attack. You are supposed to be more scared.
0: Oh, oh, oh! Sorry. Ah! It's
1: no wonder the, it's no wonder it was so easy to get in here. Ah, uh, anyway, I am going to take the key and lock you in now. Okay. Oh, hold on, one sec. Yeah.
0: Hey, Brandon! Come look at this guy over here. Okay. Look at, look at look at.
1: You you have very strange names for a Frenchman. Uh
0: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hey Jacques. <laughs> um.
1: <laughs> Well, I will lock you into
0: the fort now. Uh, have a nice night. Can, can you give us some supplies? I have not been talking with a French accent. Uh, I almost did a German accent. Oh, can you give us some supplies?
1: What was that? You sound, You sounded more French. Go, go, I'm coming back. I'm coming back in now. Hello? Yes, So, what is it? <laughs> Are you okay?
0: <laughs> Oh, we, we, we yes, we are just fine. We were wondering if you would give us some more supplies.
1: Yeah, 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 okay, I can give you some more supplies. Uh, we, we
0: like warm coffee.
1: Okay, but in exchange, I will need a band-aid for my man who has scraped his knee.
0: He scraped his knee? Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, what's a wrench? <laughs> I'm joking. now. How do French people talk again? Holy ho, holy Plug it. Okay, I need now. I, I need one up for a hand of goldfish.
1: Alright, we're back. And <laughs> so, <laughs> this has been an episode of the
0: Poorly Researched History <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> indeed oh <laughs> uh, that was where did you get that clip from
1: oh uh that's a good question sophie uh i was i went to a fortune teller.
0: you went to a fortune
1: tower. and they were like trust me you're gonna need this for an episode in a few days
0: did they know that you had a podcast
1: uh no, they just saw. Him. I walked in with a signed picture of the crown prince of Germany <laughs> from the early 1900s,
0: and, and they're like, "Oh, <laughs> um, how does a French person talk?"
1: Uh, they say "oui oui," <laughs> croissant and it baguette. Took,
0: it took French. I should know this.
1: <laughs> they say "dumont."
0: <"Do> <laughs> Dumont, Dumont, ah, Sophie.
1: <laughs> so, uh, any anything you want to say before we close out the podcast?
0: Uh, okay, is, take the cards. Okay, take the cards away.
1: We used a prop for this one. I mean, there was a prop in the recording.
0: I'm not sure what to take away from this, to be honest.
1: It's just the fun story. Taking but I'm going to take away. <laughs> yeah.
0: Not to get impatient when heating up my coffee. Mm-hmm and to not underestimate a small little German soldier.
1: I have no idea how tall he was.
0: I'm assuming he was small.
1: Uh, Audience, this is Sophie's editorial speaking, uh, (laughs) not factual information.
0: Yeah, I'm just saying this is what I think he looks like. I'm not saying, (laughs) oh yeah, he was like five foot two, which is about how tall I am. For listening to the Portly Research History podcast. I hope you guys had fun listening to this because, man, I know I did. (laughs) If you have any questions, concerns, comments, or want to correct us on anything we said, uh, feel free to email us at at portlyresearchhistorygmail.com. If you have any funny comments to make, we we do have a Twitter. It's P R H T. Handle
1: it's at prhpod there
0: we go prhpod <laughs> on twitter uh, do you have anything else do you have an instagram not yet do you have a snapchat you can
1: make one if you want no those are your that's your domain um,
0: <laughs> like us hit that subscribe button oh wait is uh, there a Subscribe
1: button. yeah you can subscribe to the podcast that's how people oh get okay podcasts. i was just
0: making fun of youtube
1: um so yeah oh also our music is by richard Cheverelli. thanks <laughs> thanks for listening Bye.
0: Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. That was pretty good. <laughs>